Hi, and welcome to Not For Nothing. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and we are still exploring grief because, as you know, back in September, my father passed away, and I decided to do what I always do. I turn the microphones on and allow me and the people I love to talk about what we're going through in the moment on the ground as it is happening. And the result of that has become five episodes of me talking with people that I love very much about grief. And this is the fourth episode. And today I'm talking to my first cousin, Carrie Davis Kilgo. And the reason it was important to me to have her on is because she played a very important role in the days around my father's death. She was there when the family was called in. I don't I don't really know if that's something that people do all over the place or just in the south, but when someone is dying, the family they come. The preacher comes, we pray, we hold hands and allow the person to go in a space of complete love, and that's what happened with my father. And Ethan was back in Los Angeles taking care of home stuff. So Carrie decided that She wanted to be the one that was right by my side the whole time. It was actually Carrie and her mother was very, very pastorally caring of me the night that Dad died. I remember distinctly sometimes it was Aunt Kathy who would just step up and put her hand on my shoulder. And then as I would begin to sob uncontrollably, she would put my head to her chest and just stroke my hair like a mother would. And it it was just, it was very kind and it felt safe and other times it was Carrie who would just come to rub my shoulders and hug me and cry with me because my father was was very important to her as well um but she was there holding my hand every step of the way it was actually her that I asked would she call Ethan and tell him that dad had passed so she was sort of intimately involved in my handling of my father's death and then in the subsequent days when we as we were preparing for the funeral it was her that kind of helped us get organized with the clothes we needed to buy and the you know the arrangements we needed to make for getting people to the mall and and just the the real work that it takes to get it get yourself prepared to go to a funeral. She was she was absolutely wonderful in doing that. And so I wanted to take a moment to explore her thoughts on grief and her thoughts on why she wanted to do that for us and also just to explore our relationship just a little bit because she and I come from the exact same family. We have somewhat similar philosophies that we navigate our day-to-day life with. We find it important to keep the humor in situations. We find it important to be kind to the people around us and really try to show that we are eager to help. And we have a big love. We have a big love for life. We have a big love for the people that we have in our lives. And we have a commitment to going beyond the trappings of this life, say, religious background or political views or anything like that. And that's the interesting part about the two of us. We come from very different political backgrounds and very different situations at this point. I am living in Los Angeles as a performer and 
she is living in her hometown that she grew up in as a wife and mother and successful business owner. And that has left us with different perspectives in life. I am a Democrat and she is a Republican. And that has always been fascinating to really, I th- maybe more me than her, um, but to both of us, I think that, you know, we just, it's a non-issue when we get together. And I think that is something that she and I both believe we could learn a lot from as a society, our relationship. You just show up, love, laugh, maybe discuss some of the issues. But if there's not a way to come to some kind of agreement or some kind of understanding of each other's sides, then just stop talking about it. This is America. Go vote for it. And let the let the vote do the work. The rest is just love. She and I both identify as Christians, and in Christianity, we're taught God is love. And I believe there's no greater example of that than in our relationship. Two people who, in today's society, on paper, seem like they probably wouldn't have a lot in common, and they probably wouldn't be such good friends, but we are. We're really good friends, and this moment where a Republican and a Democrat are mortal enemies— Um, this too shall pass, and I want to show a relationship that I know will be there through this moment, beyond this moment, until the day one of us dies. So with that said, I hope you enjoy this conversation with my cousin, Carrie Davis-Kilgo. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks. You're, you're like everybody else. You're a little nervous. A little bit. Because there's a mic pointed mm-hmm. right in your face. Um, but I just wanted to talk about us a little bit. But also, I mean, there is a portion of that because I'm here in Alabama because my dad died, as everybody knows now at this point. Um, but you have you were a big part of that, which is no surprise because, like I said, you're one of the most important people in my life. How's everything going? it's going it's going yeah it's it's well you know i think we all had a a year where we're like oh 2020 kind of sucks and then 2020 september was like here let me show you something sure let me show you what really sucks yeah so um because we i was just i just recorded an episode with mom today and we were both like today why did i have to wake up today feeling like this and you're in the same boat you're not feeling amazing but we had to get together that's right but anyway but um a little backstory or back history on you and me. Um, you were there when I was born. Yes. <laughs> you, you used to be uh, sort of a, a big sister, you know, to me, even though, because I've talked about this um, before on the show, how I kind of always used to say I was the youngest of eight children because I was just grew up. We all grew up at the same spot and hanging out, Papa's <laughs> house. Um but you were, uh, after Derek passed, because last episode we were talking about Aunt Sandra's son, Derek. He passed. He was the oldest. You became the oldest, and I be, and I was the youngest. And right. Everybody else in the middle just had to deal with the fact that we were obsessed with each other. That's right. So, that's Always. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know the dirt. You know the dirt on me when I was a kid. <laughs> Do you want to tell me your favorite memory of me as a child? Oh, gosh. My favorite? <laughs> yeah. Or your most fond, or your most vivid, might not be your favorite. 
I don't know. I remember when uh, one time when you were little, you had crawled off, you know, or whatever. We were kind of watching TV, not really paying attention and mm-hmm. uh, kind of went back and uh, you were in the kitchen. You had the everything pulled out. That was one of your favorite things to do was to pull, pull everything out, out of the, the cabinets. <laughs> but you pulled the syrup out of the mm-hmm. cabinet and poured it all over me, all over yourself, <laughs> all over everywhere. That was really funny. Um, well, and I, I talked about. Um, and I still like to this day, we, none of us can figure out why, but I talked about in the last episode, something that granny, uh, Davis, my, our step grandmother brought up to me the other night that was like, it just kind of took me back. I never, I hadn't thought about it this whole time we've been here. I've been here for dad and the funeral and everything, but she was just like, you have such fond memories of your dad. And she said, y'all took a vacation every summer. And, and it just like, I don't know, just the way she said it. Brought back all of our vacations and everything. And mm. a lot of them, they were, you were on. Yes. I was, you know, I had cousins all over the place. And for some reason, you were just there. Right. <laughs> no other cousin ever <laughs> went on vacation but you. So That's right. The favorite. Mm-hmm. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> how Do you know how many vacations you went on? Because when you're a kid, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. You just were always there. I yeah. don't know. But it's probably like four, maybe, yeah, at tops. But. probably. But it felt like, I don't know. We were always... Always. <laughs> Always together. I mean, I spent the night there, mm-hmm. usually every weekend, and so. Yeah, and now you remind me of mom a lot. Oh, yeah? Just the way you, the way you walk and the way you move and the way you talk to people. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> when I got here, because um, I'd come to Alabama because I thought dad was sick. We thought he was, he was just going to be a new fa- stage in life where he's right. a little, you know, limited on everything and I was coming to help mom and Megan transition to whatever that looks like and then quickly which mom said she's like I know that he'll either get a little bit better or he'll fade fast when you get here and she was right he he faded fast about a week and a half after I got here he was gone right um well actually about a week after I got here so we I quickly had to go into a grief space and um you were there. Like, you were there for every bit of it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you were you were just there in a way that I couldn't have known that I would need. What was your, what was your mindset for that? <clears throat> it was, it was tough for me, I guess, because watching you be sad, watching Wanda be, you know, Megan, the kids, it was really tough, but it was, I don't know, it was just harder for me to, to watch you just because, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've been away and, you know, and I don't know, every time you come home or every time we talk, it feels like no time's passed. Yeah. You know, even though, even though lots of time goes by mm-hmm. that we don't speak, you know, but yeah. when I see you again, it's just. Well, uh, and that's, that's because, I mean, that's, I mean, you do, you have a full life. You're running, well, I mean, essentially you're running a business. I mean, it is a business that's associated with the church, but you have to run it like a business. So it's a business, sure. even though there's different business laws when you do that. But you're you're running the whole thing. You got three kids, and you have three kids who play every sport. Some <laughs> we didn't even know that the school had. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so you're busy, and I'm you know I'm trying to hustle. So we do. We go a long while without talking mm-hmm. and stuff. And usually when I, I mean we spend we try to spend a lot of time when I'm here, but. But I, I just really do. You and your mom was very, I, I keep using the word pastoral, you know, because that's, that, you know, when you're a religious person, that's part of it is the pastoral care of showing up and service sure. to the people who need that help. And you, you and your mother, especially, I felt like that night was very pastoral towards me and 
you know, at times that was just, you would get up and walk over to me so I could just put my head in your chest and cry. And I just, I don't know, I guess part of this episode is just a love letter to you to just say thank you for all of that. Well, I don't think you ever need to thank me for that because I, I mean, I would assume you would be there for me in the same oh, way. Oh, for sure. So <laughs> it's not a, it's not a thank you, but it's, it just, I don't know. It, our whole life is tied together, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he was a big part of our whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, uh, you know, he'd always aggravated the fool out of me and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but he, I knew he loved me and, you know, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I really didn't have emotions about it until much later, you know, because I just felt like I had to be like strong mm-hmm. for you. And well, and I think you know. that's, I think you are the, and, well, actually I want to ask you, do you think you are this part type of person? I always tell people now I'm the one you want in a crisis. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I got you. I can see straight through the, the crazy. I can see through the haze. I know where we're going. Right. I'll, I'll load up the car and we'll get there. Right. Do you feel like you're that way too? I think so. I think I, I think I you know I try to be that. It's hard. It's very hard when you're so connected to somebody to mm-hmm. watch them, you know. But that's what I try to do. And then you know, once yeah. it's all over with, I'm I'm the person that I'm going to save whoever needs saving mm-hmm. or whatever is happening right in the middle of it. But then when it's over, I'm going, Oh my god! <laughs> right. Can you believe we just did that? Yeah, so. that's that's kind of where I'm at too. And and I think for Dad, I I was talking about on the last episode. He the last twelve hours was pretty excruciating. It seemed, or it seemed. From everything we yeah. saw him go through, it look, it was pretty excruciating. So for the first week and a half, I was kind of just like relieved that it was over for right. him. That it was just not that anymore. But then the next week, I was like, I'm very sad right. and very lonely. And, you know, and what do you, I mean, how do you experience grief? Like, how do you, because I know, because you have not, I mean, I kind of feel like, I've entered into a, a club that you haven't, <laughs> you're not in yet. You haven't lost a parent. Right. Um, and, but you have lost grandparents and you've lost family mm-hmm. a lot. And you're, you have lost a lot of uncles mm-hmm. and aunts and mm-hmm. stuff. Cause your, your mother's, I don't know how many siblings your mom's got. Nine. Nine. She's got, she's one of 10. That's right. She's so, the baby of 10. And she's lost several of her brothers and sisters mm-hmm. already. She has. Three sisters, one brother left. Mm-hmm. So, and I know it in a sense it's different for every person, but mm-hmm. what do you have any anything that just kind of always happens when you're going when you're grieving someone? Uh, I'm very quiet. I don't. I'm not a. Um, you know, I don't want everybody to know. You know, kind of mm-hmm. thing or whatever. And I think that comes from you know just being 17 years old. You know, when Derek died and he was my mm-hmm. best friend. You know, yeah. I mean. He was. He was my best friend. And, yeah. you know, being in a fight with him, you know, when mm-hmm. all that happened and everything, it's just, and it was petty. Yeah. You know, it was just petty and it's it was hard to get over. I mean, um, you know, I told Aunt Sandra, I think, um, during all this with your dad, I told her, I said, you're one of the strongest people on the planet to me because I don't know how you how you're sane. I don't. Right. I don't know how you're well, sane. Well, and I told her that on the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I And I also told her... I said, you actually, for me, on the outside looking in, you have, I've, I've sort of tied you to Aunt Sandra. On the last episode, I had talked about how Tanner, you know, he came close to dying as well right. when he had his heat stroke right. and everything. And I was in New York, so I, I was getting updates and everything and trying to call and, you know, trying to walk that fine line of don't, you know, don't just go right in there and call Carrie and be like, hey, I want to talk to you for a while yeah. because you've got to be that warrior. Right. In that moment. But 
you were sitting at the house the other night and you were telling me kind of a lot of the details about what was going on in that time. And I don't know why, but it just, it just made me flash on eight Sander with actually losing a son. And you were as close as you could get without actually losing a son. And I'm just like, it just made me appreciate what she has endured because, um, same. I don't think I realized it until I went, mm-hmm. you know. Well, because I was in first grade. All that. So right. I knew that somebody that I loved is not coming back. Right. Like, I know what death is. And and it just, you know, and I knew that that must, yeah, it must suck to lose your son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what I re- thought about. But, like, it took a long time um, to really comprehend, like, what that meant. And I mm-hmm. don't think I even, and I still can't comprehend what that would mean because I don't, I don't have a child. Right. Like, Megan would be closer to comprehending it right. than I would because she's got children. But right. I came closer that night. You told me about your own, just like, I don't know, panic doesn't seem like a dramatic enough word or, you know, fear or, mm-hmm. you know, desperation doesn't even seem dramatic enough of what you were put through and tested with that night. Right. Or that over the that one night but mm-hmm. over the course of his whole treatment but and then she talked about Aunt Sandra talked about too that when Taylor Daniel's daughter right we didn't know if she's going to make it right. on like December 24th mm-hmm. on Christmas she was born That's I right. think the 23rd mm-hmm. and I and I told her I said that moment was burned into my brain like just I remember seeing you get that phone call and just start and just break down and I thought oh that, that's sad yeah. again and I said now that I look back on that picture I'm like oh I understand what probably right. must have come flooding through for mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. you know so it's just you know not to <laughs> summarize last episode right um but yeah so do you is that probably the most the most constant thing that happens with you is you just kind of get quiet and you know yeah, I mean, because during that time, you know, it, nobody can, nobody can help you really, because mm-hmm. you you can't explain what's happening. I mean, Zane and I went through it, but we went through it completely different. Yeah, you know, he was he was just beside himself, you know, to start with. I didn't I didn't cry forever. And that's what I mean by like the person the person you want in a crisis, because mm-hmm. like clearly Zane's gonna break down. <laughs> no offense, <laughs> right. he's like I don't know what to right. do, and you're like we gotta figure this out. Like right. I'll I'll cry about it in a minute, mm-hmm. and and you told us. I mean I won't I won't. You told me, and I won't go into details, but you told me you just after you finally got yourself set down in a waiting room, you just unleashed on someone that was probably not the person to unleash on right or you the one you would hope not to and you did it anyway and that's what you have to Mm do but um yeah you're do you feel like how when does the when does the the crisis mode the you know the pastoral take care of everybody else when does that end for you like at what point in the process Mm, usually when it's over Mm-hmm. you know which I still try to do you know better yeah. when it's over but I don't know it's like you know you almost need a break mm-hmm. well and that's you know? and that's the thing you were calling me every day for a while to mm-hmm. just see how I was doing and you know and I was I was at peace and that to me tells me that you did your job because I was I was at complete peace for a while and then it you know sure you know I, I guess that's that's God or your guardian angel just being like let's give you a break mm-hmm you're going to have to do it just like everybody else does it, right. but you get a break for a minute. So, Yeah, but. I have people ask me a lot because um, every year when Tanner's, the anniversary mm-hmm. of his heat stroke comes around, I post well, all the things. Well, and the thing you is know. with Facebook, because Josh, my, my cousin on the Lewis side, he, it's so funny, he, 
um, Facebook memory came up of he of a when he did a commercial, uh-huh. and he said, "I realize I, it, that's why I knew that in my contract, if they were running the commercial a year later, I get double pay or something." And he said that led me to calling them. And asking them, and he said, I wouldn't have gotten that double pay for this because they were still running this commercial. Right. And he, you know, and it's like Facebook is mm-hmm. always keeping us creepily in, in line, but you were posting updates for the community on Facebook and mm-hmm. pictures of because everybody wanted to see him, and there was just no way that everybody who loved Tanner could just show right. up. And so now that you've posted all those on Facebook every year, Facebook's like, hey, remember the worst thing mm-hmm. that ever happened to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And I repost them every year. And, mm-hmm. and somebody asked me this past year, they're like, why do you do that? How can you stand to do that? And I said, I repost it every year. I reread every single comment because even though it was probably the hardest thing I've ever went through, mm-hmm. you know, we came out on the yeah. other side of it and, and, you know, we wouldn't make it without God. And if I don't post that, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, it's part of my testimony. And if I don't, if I don't post my testimony, mm-hmm. then what am I doing? Well, and you two, know? I think we have to not live in the space that you were living in when, mm-hmm. when the trauma happens, but, right. and that's a good thing, but you also have to remember that trauma yes. as well. So, and you know, you, you're worked on during trials, mm-hmm. right? You, you, you do the most self work, you yeah. know, and, and you're worked on the most. And so, you know, that was the, probably the very first time in my life that I ever felt completely out of control. Yeah. I could not control one thing that was happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, that was my lesson. Yeah. You know, once you get past it, you can see those things, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's important to remember. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I've always done my shows you know, I, I, at first I was really methodical and thought I was going to be like, you know, a, like the Oprah of it all. <laughs> like I'm going to do a topic today, but really uh, the shows that people want to hear is when I just tell my truth. Yes. And the truth is my father died. And so I'm in grief of death, but there's grief can come in so many ways for so many things, a divorce or for, or, you know, the, tr- or a trauma like you went through and right. stuff. But you know, so that's, good to remember that you know grief look you go into a grief space you know a lot because i mean you can't possibly be the same as you were before that happened you know just like a death or a divorce or anything else that that happens so you you have a lot of experience with trauma Mm -hmm. (laughs) so and that's what i was telling uh mom and Alexandra on the last episode I said, it wasn't like we meant to. We did not sink out, set out to be these people. But I said, our family can tell you a thing or two about death. Right. <laughs> so, because you're, you're, you know, your father lost his mother. I guess he was, what, 22? Mm, I think. 21, maybe? 21, 22. Mm-hmm. And Aunt Sandra said she was 19. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and that's what something that I had said. I was like, well, I feel like. I am the first of my friend group to lose their, lose a parent. Cause mm-hmm. I said, I feel like I'm pretty young to right. lose a parent. But then I said, but that's nothing compared to what our parents went through. Right. You know, they, cause you think you're an adult when you're 21, 22, and then you get to your thirties and forties mm-hmm. and you're like, you didn't know nothing. That's right. <laughs> you knew nothing. That's right. So, but yeah, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't have done it without you. Um, because you are, you were, you did the work too, not just, helping us to cry you like you took us shopping like you were like give me the credit card I'm, I'll drive <laughs> you there we're gonna do this right. because you know you just you don't have I did I allowed myself to just let go and um 
and you know you were the one who told Ethan that my dad died and right. you were the one who kind of fired the gun on that of like it's time to come home and right. he flew home the next morning you know and stuff so you were you had a hand in everything with my my grieving process so not that that's why I wanted you to come home because I love you and I wanted <laughs> you to be here and that's the thing I feel like I shortchanged this might be a short change for you and for Aunt Sandra because I said you're the craziest person I know and I said and this is the ser- <laughs> most serious conversation we could ever have right. and she was so like zen about the whole mm-hmm. thing and i'm like the world is not seeing the true That's you right. <laughs> it's like, this is not you this sage advice mm-hmm. talking about group therapy but you know right not that she's not wise in that area but you know oh but you're right she's funny <laughs> <laughs> and i feel like it's the same with you i'm i'm just talking about seriousness and everything so. Well, and I look back and I think the night we laugh so hard, you oh know, much. Like, is that a part of your grief too? It, it is. It really to, is. To laugh. And I'm a bad, I'm really bad at situations sometimes because mm-hmm. like, I'm like, oh, this is bad. And I think it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, not that the situation was funny, but just, it's funny. Like just, you just, I, you need to I laugh and giggles. let it out. Well, and we, well, that's the thing. Like I said, dad was 12 hours. He was suffering right. for, you know, just laying in the bed right. in that. Like that's, I kind of knew that's when we were like, mm-hmm. enter the, the death space. And of, and, the, and the hospice nurse was like, well, he'll probably go tonight. And I said, you think it'll be tonight? And mm-hmm. he, she said, yeah. And I said, well, I'll tell you, it won't be. Right. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, he don't do anything the way you think he's going <laughs> to. Right. He's stubborn as no hell. No one's scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> he does not do. And he did. Never he waited did. till the, right. the wee hours of the morning. Um, and by the end of it, we were just exhausted mm. from just sitting there with him. I mean, and that's the. I didn't realize that either, that people just come and sit with them while they're dying. And like, because the preacher was there, your mom, we were just sitting there, just like being in that space of sadness in perpetually. Right. And um, so, yeah, after it was all over, you and I got the giggles. (laughs) Um, And I didn't mean, and like, that's the thing. This might be a little too morbid for the listeners or whatever, but he died at home. You have to wait for the funeral. You have to wait for the hospice nurse. So right. she can say, yep, he's dead. That's right. And then you have to, and then after the hospice nurse comes, you call the funeral home. Right. So he died around one eighteen, I think was when we said right. his, he took his last breath. And then around 5.30 that morning, you left. Yes. <laughs> that, and that was after they took him out, yes. directly after. So he's just laying in the bed and he's, he's passed and we're just kind of in this quiet space. And mom starts kind of thinking about all the stuff she needs to give to the hospice nurse and, right. the, and the hosp and the funeral home and everything else. And mom and Aunt Sandra had had a conversation prior to any of us being there right. that there that that corner over there <laughs> might be where the papers are, <laughs> and that she needed. And she goes, "I still got to find those papers." And Aunt Sandra goes, "Well, did you look over there?" <laughs> And it's not funny. It's not funny. Like I, you and I are laughing oh, yeah. because we go back to that space yeah. where we're just exhausted and it's like, why would she ask that? <laughs> but something about her saying, well, did you look over there? It, I mean, I couldn't stop laughing. You thought it was hilarious mm. and I thought it was hilarious. And then your mom started laughing and everybody looked at us like, oh my gosh. And then you and your mom let the moment pass. And I, it had to have been 30 minutes. I was still laughing about you laughed. it. You laughed for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, everything kept being funny. It was funny. Because I couldn't, I'd just been so sad and I've cried. I mean, I cried so hard on your breasts and your mom's breasts. Right. Like, I mean, just full mother mode of just like pulled my head in and hugged me tight. And I'm just like, uh. So by the end of it, I was just like punch drunk. And then, 
again, waiting on uh-huh. waiting on the people to show up. That's right. Everybody just kind of took a moment, and the preacher fell asleep on the yes. couch waiting. And I couldn't see him because we were all just shoved on this little couch. And I couldn't see him over there. And then all of a sudden, I heard somebody start snoring. And Dad's just still laying <laughs> in the bed. And I, and I grab your arm, <laughs> and you just start dying laughing and you're like it's mine because <laughs> you knew exactly I knew. what i thought i thought oh my god he's not gone <laughs> they were wrong <laughs> they were wrong he's, he's still here but yeah i mean and i think you and i and i think our whole family need a little bit of laughter about that about anything that's that sad. I mean, for sure. Cause like you said, Derek, it just took it out of you. I mean, our, when you look back, our family's been through some hell. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, wow, how does that happen? How do people deal with that? Right. But, and I guess too, you know, for me with the Derek thing too, it was so sudden, mm-hmm. you know, like your dad, we knew it was coming. Yeah. You know, he, he just car wrecked died you know mm-hmm. like and i guess that's the same way with tanner when he had the heat stroke you know because no Cause one you were, you were talking to him he that's was right. normal he was fine he was he was doing his little workout and i was there you know just mm-hmm. chatting with my friends you know and then all of a sudden he's on the ground and the world's right completely and that, changed. And that, i mean that there's just so much wrapped up in that his you know tanner's work ethic and tanner's commitment to what he enjoys right. because i mean if you're i mean he had to have been feeling something mm-hmm. you know that, you know, it's a hard workout today, but I'm going to keep pushing through. Right. You know, that's his work. That So much tied up in that. But um, that was something I sort of struggled with and still kind of struggle with is the fact that dad's the only person I've ever been around that I was there when they left. Right. Like, because I was at work that day when Pawpaw died. And, and right. you, you know, none of us were there when right. it happened. Um. And, you know, everybody, everybody that's died in my life, I've always had the moment of the last conversation I had with them and then come see them and they're dead. Right. I've never been, like, that whole day just runs together and Mm -hmm. I had full conversations with dad that day and I just rapidly saw him just fade to, to, you know, to the other space. So, that's been really hard for me to just, like, wrap my head around, like, I was talking to him and then he died in front of me while I was holding his hand. Right. And then we put him in a box and we bury him. Right. And that was something that was interesting to me. And Chad, my brother-in-law, for those listening, he talked about it. And he, the more he talked about it, the more I was like, that's, I agree. Like, he's like, I just don't like when the funeral home people come and just dump the dirt. Right. He's like, I just feel like it needs to be a little bit more tender. Right. And the more he talked about it, I was like, that's true. So the, this is the only time I've ever seen him do this, but me and Chad and Coy started, but then Zane, your husband, and, and all the other men in the family sort of joined in, and we all buried him ourselves. Right. Like, so when you say we buried my father, we I literally buried my father. Right. And that's so profound to me. But also it, it kind of hinders <laughs> my process of... of coping with it because I'm like I, how do you go from a conversation to burying him with your own two hands right so it's it's been interesting but I think it speaks to who he was mm-hmm. you know and the just the level of respect that everybody in yeah. the family had for him you know and and mm-hmm. would be willing to stand out there in the hot sun mm-hmm. you know and yeah and do it themselves so and it's true I mean it, it was 
yeah. I mean, I just, I remember being struck by, because like Zane, again, for those listening, your husband, Zane, um, he's the one who took my shovel. Because I was just like, you know, I, I, he's like, do you need a break? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a break. And, I, and so he took my shovel. So I was watching him a lot. Right. And just... Nobody, nobody looked pained to do it. Right. It was, it was, I could see it on Zane's face. I could see it on Chad's face. And, um, Wes did it a little bit, I think. Yep. Your brother. And, you know, I could see it, just how much it meant to everybody to help right. with that. And that was fascinating because mm-hmm. I never seen that. And I probably will be looking for that now. So. Right. But, um. Have you have you ever been in the room when someone had passed like that, or had it always just coincided? I mean, you know, circumstantially, you just never were. Mm-mm. That was the mm-hmm. first time mm-hmm. too. So, because I'm like, I'm looking for like, what yeah. what are people what do people do when that happens? You know, now my grandmother was really close. Mm-hmm. You know, when I left, I think I left about midnight, maybe, and you know, it was about two yeah. thirty. You know, something like that. So we mm-hmm. knew it was happening, but you know, yeah. so because I just you know that that did. S- that sort of took away from the fi- finality of it right? for me. Cause I'm like, I, is it true? Because you know, you know, it's true if you just come in and see them like right. that, but you know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to take a break. Um, and then when we come back, I want to talk about something else that you and I sort of share, but don't share. <laughs> um, that means a lot to me. Sounds good. All right, we're back. And something that you and I share, like I said, that it's kind of, I mean, the more time goes on, the more remarkable it comes mm-hmm. becomes for me is you and I share a love that it's a bond that's just deep. And we, I mean, I don't know if we found, if we started in the same place and went in different directions, but we are on opposite sides of political divide. And and I'm not here to talk about right. politics. Like right. I'm not doing that. I'm here to talk about where we are doing it exactly right, you know? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we we're this country's completely divided. Sure. Um and it's just getting worse the deeper we get into it, but for some reason it's just never it's never hurt mine and your relationship. Right. What do you think that is? I just see it as respect. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I love you, and and all all of your choices are not my choices, and all mm-hmm. of all of mine are not yours, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's okay because when you love somebody, that's that's what that means. And that's I feel like that's a little easier said than done too. Yes, in the fact that I mean, because we're I'm sitting at your table, and we're you know enjoying our conversation. I mean, everybody knows what my politics are. I'm a Democrat, you're a Republican. And I I believe that you are who you are and you vote the way you vote for, um, for honest reasons Mm -hmm. and for deeply, you know, deeply rooted beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I, but I also feel that you believe I do the same. Yes. And, you know, and it's not a disrespect, but we all, we will leave this table and go back to our corners. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, I mean, it would be, 
it would be disingenuous for you and me to sit here and be like, I don't ever say anything bad about the other <laughs> side. I'm above all that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that's disingenuous. But I think that there's something to be learned from you and me in the fact that it's possible to just have a thriving relationship with somebody who you disagree with politically. Right. I think it's hard to, um, it's hard to disagree with somebody on anything really and have a, have a real relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, and a lot of my friends, you know, have different views and different things. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not a big arguer, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm just, I believe what I believe and that's okay. You know, and I'm not a big person to argue or, or, you know, just pitch a fit really. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, if I, if I feel like something's, you know, I don't know if something you put or whatever, I'll be like, Kyle, that's like a little out there, dude, (laughs) you know, like, you know, and that's how I do that on, you know, on our social media mm -hmm. stuff. I try and I, it used to be very effective. It's not super effective anymore. Right. Because, because of the divide. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to put, post something that was, that would be provocative. Right. And then, when you read the comments, it's a very nuanced and civil conversation uh-huh. between two sides. And now it's just like, now it's just a whole bunch of people who agree with me, agreeing with me and people who don't agree with me, ignoring it. Sure. And it's because that's the only way to be respectful at this point. It is. In a lot of ways. And I hate that. But um, I think you and I just stay tapped into one another. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. You you can't hate somebody when you're looking at them and, you know, knowing the, their story. That's right. You know what I mean? Because, like, I know for a fact, and again, this is getting a little too close to getting into politics, but I'm agreeing with the other side a little bit. That's So it's fine. But, like, I know how hard Zane has worked right. to build his business. So that I, I know the pathology to lead him to vote the way that he does in a right. lot of ways. And just like you know who I am and you and you do see that there is, it is very hard for me to get to where I'm going based on certain principles, you know, and right. stuff. So uh, there's a respect there, I think, that I'd hope that people start having it for one another. That would be, and lovely. me too. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there. I mean, I don't. You know, I. I don't know if it would be effective. We would be very un- ineffective politically if we just listened to everybody's story and be like, "Well, I don't know what to do." Then everybody's <laughs> right. right, and everybody's wrong. That's right. So, so we have to keep that balance. But sure, I don't know. Do you think that this country is going to balance out, or is it just going to get worse? I don't know. I'm worried. Mm-hmm. I, I think either way the election goes in November, we're in trouble. I don't think I it. I don't think it matters. I mean, so. I think we've come to a, a fever pitch where. Mm-hmm. I mean, I if Trump wins, I'm not one of the ones who's going to just lose my mind. Right. And if Biden wins, you're not one of the ones that's just going to lose your mind. But right. it's like, it somebody's going to. Oh, it's happening. Somebody's going to on both sides. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to get ugly, and I don't know. Maybe maybe it won't. Maybe we're wrong. I hope we're completely wrong. <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll just all just be like, whatever. It's fine. 2020 happened. We're stronger right. people now. <laughs> we'll be <So>. fine. <laughs> we can handle anything. We've been locked in the house for five months. We got this. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. What do you lean into when you think of our relationship? I mean, when I think about you just, I mean, from the time you were born, you know, I think you're the reason that I'm the, that I'm the mom that I mm-hmm. am today because, you know, that's how I learned. That's how I learned how to be, yeah. you know, I have, I have a younger brother, you know, but he was, we were only 
three and a half years apart. So mm-hmm. it was a little harder for me, you know, which when he got older, you know, it was that way too. But when he was little, I couldn't really take care of him because I was little. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I was 10 years old when you came along. So I was like, <laughs> oh, this is awesome. You know, this is how you learn to, you learn to, and I mean, I just loved you to pieces. So. Mm-hmm. And not that I didn't love Megan, but same difference. You know, we were only. Yeah. You're only six yeah. years older than Yeah. Her, so. so it was, it was a little different just being older and having mm-hmm. that, you know, oh, well, I can take care of the baby. I can hold the baby, you know, yeah. the kind of thing. Then. <laughs> You know, it made you're a at difference. the exact right age that you wanted to play mom, and you're like, "Well, lucky here, here's a baby to do." That's it right, with. I got it. <laughs> so, I got this. Oh my gosh, um, and yeah, I mean, you're just there for me. And when I think of you, I'm just like, I don't think of your politics, and that, and that's what this whole segment's about. Right. How we're we are thriving, mm-hmm. really, for all intents and purposes. If you look at a history book, go in the future and look at the history book of 2020. There's no way and heaven or her earth that you and I should be like this close. That's right. Based on the the camps we sit Mm -hmm. in. But yeah, I just think of you as this person who just always loved me and you never tried to change me. Right. In any way. And really, honestly, because you had told me and it stuck with me. It didn't bother me. It didn't, it never really bothered me because I knew how you handled it, but you had told me a story how somebody was concerned for you uh-huh. because you were close to me. Uh-huh. And the fact that you never changed, tried to change anything or tried to like diminish that you used it as an opportunity to show the love that Jesus showed everybody. Right. You know, you did that in that moment. It turns out that, you know, I'm probably more respectful of the God you serve than a lot of people in your life here who are voting based on what God wants. Right. And I held up air quotes. Right. You know what I mean? So I think that helps too, having something. You have to find you have to find it sometimes when you're mm-hmm. when you're when you're in a divided society. You have to find what is it because there's something there. That's right. And I think we did find it. A, you know, a love for God and a laughter through tears and inappropriate places. That's right. <laughs> so But also too, there's this notion that um, that I can't remember who said it, but it sticks with me is that there's a problem in this country in that we can't agree on even where we're going. Right. Because used to political divides where we're, we all agree on where we're going. We just have a difference of opinion on how to get there. Right. And now there's a big divide over where we're even going. Right. Like we want two t- totally different destinations in this country, but I don't think that's the truth for you and me. Right. I think that's even even with who who with who you will be voting for based on, you know, your list of criteria right. and who I will be voting for based on my list of criteria. You don't agree fully with some of the people who are going to be voting for him too. Right. And the fact of like we need to get rid of these people and we need to do this and like I don't agree with we need to shut these people down and take everything away from them because of yada yada yada. Right. Like you and I are pretty centrist. In that, I think, in the way that, you know, live and let live and love God and be done. That's right. So, I don't know. I just, I just, I spend a lot of time thinking about you trying to figure it out. Do you spend, you probably don't spend a lot of time thinking about it, really. I mean, I think about it a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, there's times that, you know, somebody will say, did you see what your cousin posted on Facebook? And I'll be like, nope. <laughs> do you have me hidden all no the way? i don't i don't but a lot of times if i see that it looks you know mm-hmm. like it might make me mad i just go on yeah. you know because i'm like i'm not gonna be mad i'm not gonna be you know well, and you don't post anything i don't 
<laughs> you really don't. And and I've I've I mean I've stopped a mm. lot. I don't know if anybody believes that because I still post some things that I'm like okay, right. But I have. I mean, I'm just like, what's the point? Well, I mean, the arguing drives me crazy now. Mm-hmm. If I can't sleep, it's fun to read. It's, it makes me laugh. <laughs> but um, you know, it drives me crazy because I'm like, you're what you're saying is not even like valid i don't i mean like think about, me? no oh, no yeah. like oh, the, the arguer, argument the you know because they like, just get so like mm-hmm. far off the topic of where mm-hmm. it was i'm like it's just crazy why yeah. are you saying that like just go back and read <laughs> what was well, actually happening what i like to do so. is i like to point out all the grammar oh yeah like the the maddest people have mm-hmm. absolutely no grammar none, none. <laughs> like like i saw somebody who said i done solemn or i done mm-hmm. solemn and i'm like Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. What? That's not even... I'm the same way. I, uh, I'm very... I, I can't stand for people to misspell things mm-hmm. or to use the wrong... Mm-hmm. Like somebody put... Uh, this is actually... Oh, I can't tell that. Anyway, it's someone in the community that, that should not be misspelling things. Okay, I'll say that. Is it an English teacher? <laughs> it's definitely a teacher. So, I was all, I am selling, S-A-I-L-I-N-G, my trailer. I'm sailing my trailer. <laughs> and trailer was not spelled correctly either. So, I was like, oh, yikes. You know, I'm like, at least you could use some spell check before you right. put that like, on, you know, for everyone to see. computer and phone mm-hmm. now that's tells right. you it when tells you spell you it, that's misspell not the any word. word. That's right. <laughs> like, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You don't you have know. to misspell it, but I really, mm-hmm. they felt like, they felt like that's how it was supposed mm-hmm. to be. So, yeah. Yeah. well, and what I, well, what I love most is when people think that they're using, like they're, they're going out of their way to use <laughs> pretentious grammar. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you just missed yeah. the boat. First of all, you don't know what that word means. And second of all, <laughs> that's not <laughs> right. correct. Yeah. Well, and I do do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you said doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> whenever I see, like somebody I don't agree with, mm-hmm. um, and the, and I and like it's something that I think because I don't I rarely ever ever post anybody else's I don't I don't comment on anybody else's stuff right. at all, um, except I did one time I have done this is one time I have when I hear people like just like d- being rude about Joe Biden's speech patterns uh-huh. because I'm like well he was born with a debilitating. Right. Um, stutter. Right. And I don't, and I don't like, I don't comment on like his mental capacity. I'm just like, just so you know, he had a, he had a debilitating right. stutter. Like I, he was not who I voted for in the primary. So right. I'm, 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 I'm here. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, I'm ready to work, whatever. But, um, I will do that. But other than that, I don't comment on anybody's, but I do, um, like to sometimes go in and just use as many big words as I can to just confuse everybody. Right. Like I'm just like thesaurus everything. <laughs> <laughs> and Coy, he he does that to me now. Um, he says, you're using them big words again. He said, LA talk or no, or no, he calls it actor talk. Actor talk. Cause I'm yeah. an actor and mm-hmm. he's like, you're doing actor talk again. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like big <laughs> words. So, but you just love to have a good time with it all though too. Mm-hmm. Cause I was sitting with you at, a volleyball game for Carly, Wes's daughter, uh-huh. and you and someone else in the community who's become my new best friend <laughs> because she's living her best life too. Uh-huh. We, you, you had receipts for some real fun stuff, uh-huh. and that's all we did. And, and I feel bad because I think Carly was losing, and uh-huh. we were just sitting over there rolling, laughing, <laughs> rolling. Sorry. <laughs> but that's what I can always count on you for. That's right. Well, I do have one thing to ask you before we go. Okay. When are you coming to see me in California? Mm. You've been to San Diego. You were right there. <laughs> I've been to Los Angeles. Not when I was there. 
Have you been there when I was living there? If I think you, you I think there, you were living there when we got laid over there because we got laid over in LA on our trip to Hawaii. What year was that? That was the year that we had Tyson, so that would be mm-hmm. oh, no. seven. oh that's right. You are there. I was mm-hmm. there the first time in 07. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know why. Well, I mean, that, that don't count because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even count But no, the, <laughs> the time that I was actually in Los Angeles, like to stay, you uh-huh. were not there. You were in New York. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, because I was like, I could have been there. Yeah. And you you came through, you came close to New York a time or two, too. Mm-hmm. But you didn't come into New York, did you? I mean, I've been there two times as I'll well. But I, someone but I don't someone who came into my city. I don't think that you lived there when I was there either time. Well, I think it's time you come to see me in L.A. Sounds like a plan. Because I come to see you all the time. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in I'm in bug tussle mm-hmm. all the time. My kid just turned 13 today, my baby. So I know. I, am I going to get to see him and wish him a happy birthday? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. Cause but, uh, you know, now now I might can travel a little bit. With there him. you go. Your baby's 13. That's right. So we'll get him a cake and then you'll hop on a plane. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll do it. Well, thanks for coming on my show and talking about grief and other things i enjoyed it was it good did it was you, great did it hurt nope not I a feel bit fine. all right well <laughs> i'm gonna be working on you coming to la and i hope everybody listening has a great week i'll talk to you soon As you've probably figured out, this conversation was recorded back in October, early October, and we had talked about our hopes and fears from the election, so I thought that it would be a good idea to call Carrie today and find out how Bug Tussle has responded to the election since she was worried about people just being at unrest after the election no matter what, and... Well, most everybody in Bucktussle probably voted for Trump, and they lost. So I wanted to find out what they were feeling. And she has told me that, surprisingly, people have been pretty tranquil about it. You know, disappointed, but they've got other things going on because it's 2020, and COVID-19 is still a very, very, very big problem. And so people are just silently disappointed and carrying on with the business of their lives, which thankfully is a good thing so I'm glad of that that the fears that Carrie had going into the election are no longer necessary but that being said um, I also got an update on some people in Alabama that COVID-19 has hit Alabama really hard and especially my hometown of Bug Tussle and I just want everybody to know that I'm praying for them, and we're all thinking of them, and I hope that everybody finds their way back to health, and I hope that everybody finds peace and joy in this Christmas season coming up. That being said, thank you for listening to this conversation, and if you want to subscribe to the show and rate it, that would be greatly appreciated. If you want to find out more about the show, go to the Facebook page, Not For Nothing. If you want to follow me on Instagram, my handle is at Kyle L. Henderson. Follow me on Twitter, at Kyle L. Henderson. And I will see you next time.